This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and narrator. Heroes, we have an all-new series to bring to you today, and it is brought to you by a voice that should be very familiar to you if you are a listener to the shows on the One Shot Podcast Network. B. Zelda is someone that I have worked with on multiple projects of my own. B. was a member of the Broadswords. B. is just fantastic just fantastic b is fantastic and b is bringing you a brand new series with an outstanding cast i welcome you to the avatar rpg Hello, heroes, and welcome to a brand new episode of One Shot Podcast. You might be hearing a different voice today. My name is B Zelda, and I am in the pilot seat today. My pronouns are they, them, and I am incredibly excited to bring this episode to you. I am joined by a fantastic cast of incredibly talented human beings that are also going to up this entire experience. Let's start with Miriam. How are you? today hi i'm doing great do i introduce myself yeah or is that okay hi i'm mariam i use they them pronouns and i'm just a gremlin in the ttrpg sphere i i write and stream and podcast that's that's me I like that. The game that we're going to be playing today is Avatar Legends the RPG, a game that is published by Magpie Games. And Avatar is like the show itself with our little Aang has been out for what feels like a hundred years. Miriam, when was the first time you consumed this media and what stood out about it to you? I think I watched this for the first time at a friend's place that I was visiting Oh, in the 2000s, and I was basically left by myself the entire day, and I was just hooked, and I didn't realize it wasn't a anime, like quotation marks, because I realized you can't see my fingers, until someone corrected me, but I don't care, it's amazing. I believe that it still qualifies under the umbrella of anime, just because of what it did to our hearts and souls, and uh, a lot of anime accomplishes that. Mm -hmm. So speaking about hearts and souls, Gnome, how are you doing today? Yes, I'm coughing. What's up? I'm great. I'm so <laughs> excited to to be playing with some amazing faces and dear, dear friends. But yo, what's up? My name is Gnome, pronouns he, him, and I also do TTRPG things in TTRPG spaces. I love that. I know your morning stream Gnome Brew is one of my favorite things. Oh, you gosh, what? <laughs> Did you ever do any morning, like, Saturday morning cartoons? Because I think Avatar was on one of those little rotations. Like, when did you consume Avatar for the first time? Oh, gosh. I don't I don't remember it being a Saturday, at least for me. I definitely started watching it when it first came out, though, because it was, it was Nickelodeon. And yeah. we actually had Nickelodeon uh, as a cable channel at that time. Oh, my God. Time. Ooh, I was a senior in childhood. high school. I know, oh. right? <laughs> You're like 18 years old. I'm yes, got Nickelodeon. I, I got Nickelodeon, y'all. Let me tell you. Yeah, so uh, I, I used to go to, like, a lot of anime conventions, and so I was really big into, like, the early aughts anime scene. And Avatar The Last Airbender was kind of like, yo... It's an it's it's an in quotations an American anime mm -hmm. like they were dubbing it as that and it just it was something special it was something so much more than a cartoon something so much more than an anime it was just special the way that it impacted people like old and young and those numbers that don't even make sense it was just it was just so touching 
And I'm just forever grateful for, for what Avatar The Last Airbender brought everybody. And then that brings us to our very last guest, the sweetest, most delightful, and probably slightly terrifyingly chaotic, Brandy. How are you doing today? What a lovely intro. Hi, hello. I'm Brandy Rose. Just to show you guys really who I am as a person, as you were reading that, I had my, I had Google open and I put 2006 minus 1995 to figure out how old I was when Avatar aired because I, I couldn't do it in my head. That is really funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandy Rose. I'm a, a producer, performer, a game designer, and, and I do everything, really. I went into a business meeting this week and the first thing they said was like, I saw your interview on like so-and-so. You do so many things. And I was like, yeah, hi. If we could quantify the amount of things you did in hats, you would be wearing a tower of hats. I'd have so many hats. I'd put put the cat in the hat out of business for height, for sure. Absolutely. Hands down. Paws down. So you were young as heck when Avatar first aired. Was 11? (laughs) I did the math in my head and then I completely forgot. Okay. Yeah, I was 11. Uh, so the thing is, I had to put 2006 because I grew up in Germany. And this was back, you know, dubs did not just get done in two months or in a month or of something coming out. And they t- certainly weren't pre-anticipated. So dubs only came out after a show was already commercially successful in the United States. If it wasn't wow. successful, it wasn't necessarily going to be airing in Germany. So we got it a little late, still relatively okay. We got it in 2006, so we got it March 2006 instead of February 2005. So I, I still vividly remember, like, the carpet of the, like, tiny, because I, I lived in a studio apartment, and I was, like, on the floor and on this, like, Ikea carpet in front of the TV because I have the ADHD-tism <laughs> where I don't like sitting on the couch. I sit on the floor two, like, centimeters away from the television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw the, like, Nickelodeon ad for this new show, Avatar The Last Airbender. And I remember going to school and, like, my, like, new friends that I would like, just made, they were like, oh, we're going to be – we're going to watch that, like, every week. Are you going to watch it every week? And I was like, Yes. I think so. And this is actually the first show I ever remember consciously like following from beginning to end on a weekly basis. So every time a new episode came out, which I think was Wednesday nights for me, me and my like one friend, (laughs) my best friend, uh, I had our number memorized because it was still, you know, I may be baby, but it was still quite a (laughs) long time ago. Mm -hmm. So I would like after the episode was done, which I got special permission to stay up like 20 minutes later than usual so that I could finish the episode because they aren't (laughs) long, but it is it came on at like 8 p.m. Okay, yeah. So I, I had I had to ask to stay up to watch it, and I would call her briefly if it was, like, a very big episode, and we would, like, fuck scream about it on the thing. But what would normally happen when I couldn't because it was late or because her parents had already, like, made her go to bed uh, is that the next morning we would meet at, like, the train stop to walk to school together, and we would just start pouring over, like, what had just happened. Oh, my goodness. But also that means I watched all of it in German. Uh, so all of my Avatar knowledge is in German, and all of the names are in German. So I... It really tripped me up when I first heard the names in English. I was like, who the fuck is Aang? <laughs> the fuck is Aang? Iroh. Yes, Zuko. What was the German? Uh... It's Ang, Katara, and Sokka, and Toph. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So it's not yeah. super far off, but it's enough that if I say that to an American, they go, what? It, oh, 100%. What you say? It's the same reason that when I say Aang, you think like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what? Why are you saying yeah. it like that? Because it's, it's, it's what you it's what you meant it as. But yeah, that was like a really important show to me that I followed the whole time that it like came through. Frankly, I'm shocked that I haven't cosplayed from it by now. Uh, yeah, what the heck? I know. I have so a white wig now characters. too. I, sh- I should really I should really cosplay Sokka's first girlfriend. Yes. Turn oh, into a moon. I think summer. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Avatar, The Last Airbender... Okay, so you did confirm, yeah, it aired in mm-hmm. 2005. I live in Canada, so we never got Nickelodeon. We got something that was called YTV. Mm-hmm. Miriam, yeah, yeah, you're familiar. Because I have Stack TV and it has all the channels. <laughs> <laughs> YTV was essential. Like, I, I didn't really watch Avatar when it came out. I was too cool for it. Uh, my little... <laughs> I know, I know, wow. and then look at me now. Look at me sitting wow. in this chair. Judgy. <laughs> Also, like, I think I just entered high school when it came out, and there was no way I was going to admit to watching a cartoon about kids. So I had to, like, I, my little brother watched it, so I would sit and bond. You know, we would hang out. That would be our family time. And really, I would just be watching Avatar. So I missed a lot of episodes, and I didn't really get to 
kind of understand and get the vibe of the entire series until like five years ago. So I'm very excited to be able to take all of that and put it into a game. We are going to begin with character creation. Everybody has gone through already and picked out some playbooks. Miriam, why don't you give the little blurb that describes the playbook that you chose? I have to look up the little oh, thing about it. Let me control F. Sorry. What did you choose? The hammer. The hammer is strong, tough, and looking for a deserving face to punch. Play the hammer if you want to grapple with what force can and can't solve. The hammer, you are hard-headed and you hit hard. Yep, I'm very inspired by one of my favorite characters in the series. Couldn't possibly be tough, could it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I like that a lot. Um, I know this is jumping the gun a little bit in character creation, but what um, have you decided on a like air, water, fire, or earth? I was actually thinking of playing a waterbender who is that temperament because that would be very out of the box for how generally the water nation or people who have the waterbending it's all about this balance and push and pull and you have this hammer of a person i mean to a certain extent i would say that cora also even though came from the water tribe and was very blunt and in your face like even from the first episode mm -hmm. first scene of like Deal with it as she punches through a door and being like, I'm the I'm the avatar, deal with it. So, so you know, very good. much that energy. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's going to be perfect. So we're gonna put a pause on that if you want to spend some time thinking about a name. Gnome, what playbook have you chosen? I went with the Guardian. So the Guardian defends someone close to them. They are steadfast and watchful. Play the Guardian if you want to be the first to see danger coming and the last line of defense. What inspired you to that kind of playbook? I mean, I love like Uncle Iro <laughs> is my favorite character, but I kind of had this vision of like somebody really young determined to be a Guardian like finding that like meaning that purpose super young and like giving it their all i really like that are you going to be from the water tribe air nomad fire nation i'm so torn earth kingdom? it's I, I my first thought was earth kingdom and i think i might stick with earth kingdom Ooh, okay I like that. I mean, again, the kind of personality that you're playing, you don't necessarily have to be hard-headed, but part of being a defender means being strong and tough and durable. And a lot of that is reflected within the Earth Kingdom. Ah, this is gonna be so good. Brandy, what playbook have you selected? I chose the successor. The successor comes from a lineage of powerful but scary figures. Play the successor if you want to struggle against your lineage as it threatens to draw you in. I'm super excited. I, <laughs> I love this. I can't wait. I've always been really interested in characters that enter the story with an intrinsic struggle of like trying, of, of just being fundamentally incompatible with the environment that they start out in. Mm. And oh uh, I like the idea of someone who is maybe like, because if this is a scary, powerful lineage, you don't want like Tylee type, like perky, just kind, chill type person to be Not like really. the successor to like the Fire Lord. <laughs> I mean, you would want it. I mean, but, I like, would love it, it but yeah, they, the fire they would not. wouldn't. <laughs> they would not like it. I The fire, when we finally got in, in the show, when we finally got to firebending, that was my favorite arc. It was my favorite. When they when everybody was in the Fire Nation and everybody Same. was in their, their clothing and those looks, Katara's Fire Nation look remains my absolute favorite mm -hmm. um, of all of them. And Prince Zuko's like, arc was just, his whole character and his arc is one of my favorites. Um, also, I was a really big Zuko and... Tara Shipper when I was little. Same. But <laughs> Can't I even then say evolved. When I, was I then evolved to Zuko and Sokka, and I was like, oh, this. I yes. like that. I see it. So yeah, and uh, and in that vein, I was thinking about being a firebender. Yes, I had a feeling. Like I love the idea <laughs> of the successor coming coming from like a water tribe mm -hmm. or air nomad, but it doesn't. It's just not as punchy that way. I just I really like that the fire like firebending like prestigious families from like the fire nation would have like much stricter like demeanors 
Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of something that like is typically seen as like intense and destructive belonging to somebody who is not a dick. Yeah. So uh, we are going to we're going to take that and then we're going to put a pause on all of that for a second because I want to shift a little bit to our campaign creation worksheet or just the campaign creation because a lot of what you've now established will fit well into what we have pre-selected. We all talked a little bit about what eras we are comfortable with. Ultimately selecting the Hundred Year War. Is there a time within the Hundred Year War that we would like? Beginning and or middle, really, to make it as, as easy as possible. Looking up what that was again. The air nomads were slaughtered. Ah, yes. Ooh, yep. I it remember. was the time that Aang kind of hung out in his ice ca- ice cube. There's a oh, proper word for that. Iceberg. Iceberg. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and that was 100 years. So there was no Avatar during that time. So it's like mm. the Avatarless age. The age of chaos where the Fire Nation really gained control and began to creep and intrude into other people's lands and insert their forces and assholery. I think somewhere in the middle would be nice, where it's like, okay, the Fire Nation has gotten hold, but they've just gotten hold and there's still room for resistance. I agree. Um, Looking at this, it says to play this if you want to rebel against unjust rule, protect the weak, and stand up to tyranny, and that feels very good for the characters that we selected. So yeah, the middle sounds great to me. All right. Now we're going to choose a focus, a group focus. And this is basically, here, I should probably get the real words to describe it, because sometimes when I describe things in my own words, doesn't work as well. So your group focus is the purpose for which brought your characters together to achieve a common goal. Your characters might disagree about how to achieve it, but they all agree that the goal is important, so it's worth risking danger and changing your futures for this. We're going to choose one of the following verbs as our group focus, and then determine the object of that verb's actions. So what is our goal for this session? Do you want to defeat a villain, protect a place, idea, culture, person? change a culture, society, place, or person, deliver something, rescue something, or learn something? What appeals to you the most? I don't know why, but protecting or guarding a place stuck out because, I mean, in TTRPGs in general, what happens often is your base campaign is you will fight BBEG and you will conquer BBEG. And it's like, yeah, that's fun. (laughs) I love beating up bad guys, but it would be cool to explore something else, especially because like if the air nomads are maybe still being, you know, taken care of, then there might still be some precious places or some some places from other cultures. Yeah, that are still there, like uh, temples that are still intact that like maybe the Fire Nation wants to take and we can maybe prevent that from happening. I like that a lot. So how about to protect air nomad refugees or something yeah perfect gnome thoughts i love that because it, uh, it also kind of means we ultimately fail uh-huh <laughs> isn't that a yeah. horrible feeling okay, but we know we ultimately fail mm-hmm. yeah even if you succeed in this moment we yeah 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 think about it this way we all we might the it is an overall failure because their entire culture does get wi- wiped out as we know in the meta but what if we manage to save one or two people who just stay stay dl this entire time and just they essentially give up their heritage to survive i mean that can be discussed towards yeah. the end and that happens that's that that that's... Ha- i mean this happens i mean it's still a failure <laughs> in a big way but it's yeah. like <laughs> They're still technically alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, it fits with this, like, if, if I'm, like, from the Fire Nation and <laughs> the successor, um, who is rebelling or trying to, you know, resist and, and rebel, then, like, yeah, we, we may succeed in, like, I did not have to end up taking this place or I was able to protect it. But, like, they'll just replace me. They're just going to give the mission to somebody else afterwards. And then, like, yeah. that's, that's how history goes. But for us, <laughs> we, get a, we get a victory in the, in the loss. I think this is when Fire Lord Sozin. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm looking. I'm double checking this because I I mix up a lot of my Fire Lords. He was the one that wanted to expand the uh, Fire Nation into a worldwide empire and spread what he saw as his nation's prosperity to the rest of the world. Ooh, ooh, that's familiar, and I don't like it. Ozai would be 
quite young at this point, I think. Yeah. Ozai mm-hmm. would still be like a teenager at the most. Yeah. Oh, 50. I mean, if we're halfway through 50, how old was he? Also, Ozai, Ozai would be... Well, Sozin could still be alive, but not dead. And Ozai could be a successor by this point, but not really in charge yet. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like 10, 15 years after the events that where Avatar Aang disappeared, then He's Ozai 45. would be a teenager. When we meet him in uh, The Last Airbender. Oh, so he'd be real little. Oh, yeah. he's a baby! He'd be like four or five years old. Yeah. That's funny. He looks older than I, we're I giving him it. credit for. <laughs> I mean, when, when you're an empirical leader, you would be looking old too. But not yeah. in that fight. In that fight, he did not look like a 50-year-old man. No, he, he's, he buff. He buff. He, he gave me gender envy before I knew what that was. It's ah. probably one of the more shameful gender envies that I've had. But it is true. And it is Pride Month. It's the first day of Pride Month that we're recording this. Oh my so God, I should yes. speak my yes. truth. Happy Pride. Absolutely. Yeah, happy Pride. Happy and we pride, have an entirely everyone. trans cast, too. Yes. <laughs> which is super oh my dope. Goodness. I've never that was been not intentional. Ah. Yeah. That's Bye-bye. really exciting. That reminds Ooh. me that I absolutely blanked on saying my pronouns when I was introducing myself. I don't know if any of us said our pronouns because we're so used to just knowing each other's pronouns. Yeah. But for the sake of the recording for new people, hello, hi, I'm Brandy Rose. I use they, them pronouns. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so this is fabulous. I'm also, I realized that, I don't know the kindest word for this, but like the slaughter, the, ma- the massacre, the air genocide. genocide, thank the you, genocide. that's the word. Uh, it happened at the beginning of the Hundred Year War. So if we're midway oh. through, I-, I believe that there would absolutely be like small pockets mm. of refugees. Refugees, resistance, maybe mm-hmm. most of them have already given up their identity and they're like second gen. Mm-hmm. And you, you find them through like, because they could be masquerading as, as, you know, people without bending abilities that live in, in the Earth Kingdom or in like the Water Nation. And then they are like with, with those groups who are also like, because they've also already displaced people from the Earth Kingdom and from the like Water mm-hmm. Tribes. So significantly, they would all be mixed together anyway. And then there'd be people who just don't have, quote unquote, like who aren't benders. Mm-hmm. So the, the refugee groups are probably very diverse to begin with. And they'd probably yeah. like a few might have been able to like slip in and they might be being protected by the rest of these refugee groups as a as an effort of like cultural preservation. Yeah. And, and their culture is very, very hidden because mm-hmm. it's like if you even smell Air Nomad, it's bad. It's no oranges and yellows. You can't have that. No fashion that is, or clothing that is very, no, like, monastic and nomadic. Yeah, I mean, it, well. it's, a, it's a forced assimilation yeah, out of that's the, the necessity of, of life. Yeah, and occasionally there'll be sort of, like, you'll see sometimes, like, food coming up that's had in, like, secret little parties mm-hmm. where they try to hold on to, like, a flicker off their culture. I'm trying to remember what some of the foods that like Aang ate. We'd always get like the occasional flashbacks of Aang. There's like air cakes or something. I, that's but not what it was. <laughs> where it's like it's a cake where they did like a, a sort of like a custard or whipped filling on top of it. That was one <laughs> that I recall. They're also vegetarian. Yes. So ooh, oh. ooh, I want. Okay, this this might be a line or a veil. But what if they were forced to eat meat to assimilate? Uh, let me double check our lines of veils, because I believe... It might not be listed there, but it's a possible trigger, which mm-hmm. is why I'm asking. I think as long as we don't, like, graphically go into the description of, like, chewing and eating stuff, as far as I'm concerned, I'm uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, same. Yeah, like, one of the tests to make sure whatever is you... You clearly, like, mm. I'm sure there's other vegetarians, but I imagine at the time it was sort of a big... A specific cultural thing, Red too. flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. That makes sense. I hate and love that. Hello, heroes, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, this week we're going to fall back to a tried and true favorite, Reviews. If you like what you hear on OneShot, if you like what you hear on literally any podcast you're listening to, the podcast service you get it from probably has a way for you to leave a review. 
Leaving reviews is a fantastic way to help more people find the show, to boost the profile of the shows that you love, and to really make the creators feel good about what it is that they're doing. Doing creative work like this can be a really lonely feeling process, and hearing positive feedback makes all the difference in the world sometimes. So, Head on out to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, if Spotify is doing reviews right now, I'm not even sure, wherever you get your podcasts, and say something nice about the shows that you love. I promise you, it is worth every second of your time. And now, back to the show. Keep this in mind that while we are making your characters, that we are also going to detail our pilot episode together. So when we jump into this, it's like episode two. We could mm-hmm. do like a previously on Avatar Legends. You're going to make me want to make this into a miniseries. Ah, <laughs> don't tell me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Miriam, we're moving back on to our character creation. The next thing that we have to find out about everyone is our training. All heroes in the world of Avatar can handle themselves in a fight, but it's kind of time to decide what kind of combat training your character has. So are you a waterbender who creates club spears and shields and projectiles out of ice for them? Are you a pro-bending star who carries earth discs with, uh, with her everywhere so, you can, so she can use her competitive skills in combat? That's cute. Are you a firebender who uses the traditional dance to generate flame? There's a lot of options. Oh my gosh, a nomad who creates sound waves with throat singing and a horse head fiddle? Whoa. What the heck? Ooh. So this is the time to get as creative as you would like. If you are not set on anything, though, we can work on our background a little bit, and maybe that'll help you inform what is your kind of specific version of your bending. Well, I am the hammer, and I feel like it would be... I I would 100% be <laughs> chucking... I would, you know, like almost like use water to turn my hands into gigantic hammers, like coated with water, and just like smash, smash, oh. but also... I feel like if I do projectiles, they'll be like cannonball sized. I love that. Oh my goodness. Very much brute force. So that's I am not your subtle. fighting style. Uh, yeah. Hammerishly <laughs> brute. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like, why use a lockpick when you can just smash right through that door? That is your character's tagline. <laughs> <laughs> through and through. So I think for background, I decided that I was in the wilderness. Like um, I grew up in the wilderness, like very, I, I did pick a name as well. So I am Jell from the Northern tribe. How do you that. say that again? Jell, so it's J-A-L, but it's like Jell, like. Like Jell? Yeah. Okay. I'm not very popular in the Northern tribe for good reason. Uh, that makes me so sad for you. And I feel like the, training master who actually would be i believe bako's mentor master bako's mentor Mm -hmm. is just like nope you can't like you need to learn more you need you need more balance child damn i really like that what is your demeanor then but i believe each of your playbooks has six demeanors um and they're kind of specific to the playbook but if there's not something that you think describes your character you are more than welcome to replace it i'm loud and blunt (laughs) that's the one (laughs) perfect all right we will leave it at that for a second i mean you're welcome to work on your stats there are a handful of stats that you want to consider when you're creating your character and moving you know, uh, certain numbers in these stats. First, we have creativity, which measures measures your ability to think quickly, unconventionally, and to come up with surprising plans or breathtaking art. We have focus, which measures your character's ability to perform difficult or precise tasks under pressure, to shut out distractions, or work in a patient, disciplined, or stubborn manner. We have harmony, which measures your character's social sensitivity, care, and empathy, their aptitude at taking into account the views and feelings of others and acting in an honest and compassionate way. Uh, And then finally, there's passion, which measures the intensity of your character's emotion and drive. So our dearest hammer, 
It's also how good they are at listening to their feelings and turning them into decisive action. A lot of these have examples, so like passionate characters might be Prince Zuko or Korra. Harmonious characters would be Katara or Uncle Iroh. Focused characters would be Princess Azulo, uh, Azula, excuse me, or Tenzin. And then a creative character would be Aang or Satoru. So that kind of gives you an idea of where you want to put your stats, I hope. Uh, Gnome, tell me about your lovely defender. All right. So his name is Hiori, and I think I want him to come. He's, he's an earthbender, and I want him to come from a monastic background. Ooh. I feel like he kind of lives on the outskirts somewhere between, like, where the Earth Kingdom and the Fire Kingdom, kind of like right on that border. So it's it's kind of a dangerous situation. Oh my god, that's a terrifying place to live. <laughs> right? But like, what 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 a great place to kind of hone in that monastic training, right? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, he, his, his demeanor, he's very like polite and quiet and just very like thoughtful and when it comes time to act though he's quick it's very very quick to action i like that fighting style yeah how do you envision that for uh, your character i kind of see it like a form of aikido so it's a lot of like defensive like moving out of the way and deflection so i see him using more of the earth to to pull up defensive barriers to to kind of like shoot things out of the like if arrows are coming you know match the arrow and just deflect it so do as little damage as possible but still be able to defend and protect because that way he could protect others not just himself Mm-hmm. oh my goodness i love your character and i'm very excited to see them randy mm-hmm. tell us about your character so my character is named amara uses she they pronouns basically it would just basically say you could use she her but if you uh, use they that's also cool her like fighting style well firebending i like looked it up it's supposed to be based on like northern Sha- shaolin northern shaolin yeah like martial arts and so uh, I think Amara very specifically comes from like privileged background. So like is a very, like very rich family, probably political family, probably mm-hmm. like political military family. Cause those are in the Fire Nation, they feel very intertwined. So probably from like, is I think like eldest or only child of this like extremely like privileged family. Very, maybe very well known combat type benders, maybe strategists. Amara is definitely not a strategist. <laughs> That is, it's not her calling. She's good at combat. I mean, if you spend your whole life doing something, you come from a family that is talented at doing something, you're, you're going to be good at doing it. Exactly. I decided to make her mostly creative and harm, like harmonious. Ooh. Minus one on focus. <laughs> and if it is your own passion. Um, I think the way that she fights, I, she's not a lightning bender. You'd have to actually genuinely want to, I think, mm-hmm. do that and learn that. And she, she doesn't want to do that because like with firebending there's so many things you can do with it there's helpful things you can do with it with lightning not so much you know lightning doesn't exactly strike to warm your hearts so um i think uh she's got a very like the the traditional very traditional background of like training in like the the very dancer like combat uh firebending but just that doesn't enjoy it that much and is not focused enough to actually want to like fulfill potential combat wise so what are the the adjectives chosen for your demeanor right i chose perky and intense Ooh, intense yeah just very intense not about the things that she's supposed to be intense about she's very intense about peace and helping people and learning things she's really just a big nerd i love that Oh my goodness, this is going to be perfect. So really quickly, um, to cover, um, we have to do history questions. Um, Those are like our bonds, like in any PBTA game traditionally. I want to run over really quickly. We have fatigue. Fatigue is like you get physically injured and emotionally injured and it's kind of tracked within one box. And I love that because a lot of the time Avatar is children. I don't want to see, I do not want to see kids die under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you might just 
pass out, you know, you were fatigued. You might have been injured, but ultimately it was the fatigue that got you. So I really, really like how they added that. We have conditions, which is kind of like uh, a negative to your emotional state, depending on what's going on. It might make a situation more stressful, uh, more difficult to accomplish. And a lot of your conditions are impacted on your balance. I'm not going to run over balance right now. As a one shot, chances are we're not going to touch the balance track a whole lot. But I do want to let you know, uh, and for all the listeners, that it is incredibly cool. Much like the show Avatar The Last Airbender, where all these characters characters have to deal with like Aang has the responsibility of being the avatar but he really wants to just have fun and hang out with his friends so those two things duty and friendship are kind of in balance and while you play these characters you're trying to navigate the two of them and sometimes one might be higher than the other and that'll impact a lot of the story and some of your moves so if this is a game that you're gonna get on your own hecking read the heck out of that it's so heckin' good. So let us run through our history questions. Miriam, go ahead and read your first one. Uh, yeah, sure. So the first one for the hammer is, what injustice has driven you to use your strength for good? I think it is, for the lack of a better word in this world, racism. Mm-hmm. I would say racism since, or whatever the equivalent word would be for the different tribes. Tribalism, that's not quite the right no, word. No, yeah, I, racism is the one that fits that box that we're yeah. filling. Uh, so then the qu second question is, who represents the kind of positive force, strength and force you want to embody? And I think it would be some of the elders of whatever resistance there there is. Mm. More specifically, the ones who use physical force versus diplomatic for my character specifically although really any sort of resistance for for Jell is seen as a positive strength and force i just maybe don't have patience for words <laughs> i like that and then the third question is who tried their best to teach you restraint calm and thoughtfulness i would have to say the master whose name i will have to make up but let's just say my master my my training master uh, and I will come up with the name at some point. And then my fourth question is, what fragile trinket or heirloom do you keep and protect? Ooh, boy. I'm going to say it is the little, I'm forgetting what the word is, but you know, when, a water skin. The it? water skin. Ooh, okay. It's a water skin that was made by my sister, older sister who has, I would say, connected to what the Fire Nation has been doing in terms of trying in regards to, you know, like, assimilation and order has gone missing. Mm, okay. And then why are you committed to this group or purpose? So I think that means us. I believe so. Because especially with Brandy's character in the party, that this is actually, we can be a force of change. Perfect. Gnome, tell us a bit more about Hiori. Yeah, so these these questions are great. And I, honestly, I can't wait till we get to connections because they're so perfect for the both of you. Like, I don't even have to think on them. So for history, the question that I have is, what pushed you to assume responsibility for the people you care about? And then like the next question is like, whom have you protected for so long, but maybe doesn't need you anymore? So I'm gonna, gonna kind of like combine those because it's gonna be like the same person. I feel like there was like a child that was found and, you know, just rescued essentially into the monastery. And like, they kind of grew up really close together. And eventually when Hiori clearly was developing his earthbending powers, for whatever reason this this kid couldn't the the we'll call them like the little cousin mm -hmm. just couldn't like wasn't ended up not being an earthbender but was a firebender Ooh. because they're so close to the border mm -hmm. and so i feel like like they protected them for you know as long as they could and then the next question is who used to be in your circle of trust before they betrayed you <sighs> and i feel like it, it's writing itself and the kid's like, wait, little cousin is like, these aren't my people. 
I belong with them. They have more power. They have more this. They have more potential. I'm supposed to be with them. And so it was the kid that Hiori was protecting that betrayed him. Oh my god, I love And it. left the monastery and became probably more of like an enemy. One of the uh one of like the final questions is like what tattered garment or adornment reminds you of that person who mm-hmm. you protected or failed to protect? And in this case it's kind of a little bit of both. And I'm not too sure about like what type of garment. I feel like maybe they had made some sort of like trinket out of like yeah. clay when they were really young and so he he just wears it constantly like they traded each other and so he just wears this like really crumb you know like a, like a macaroni necklace essentially <laughs> but made out of like stone and like he just always wears that <laughs> so uh yeah so that's what he wears and why are you committed to this group or this purpose i think it's almost a redemption shot at possibly being able to protect another firebender to show that like it's okay to protect each other it doesn't matter where you're from Aww. oh my goodness i'm very excited for this all right and then brandy tell mm-hmm. us about amara is it amara or amari amara amara thank you mm-hmm. Uh, so my first history question, these are really, really good, is who is the current head of your lineage? How do you love and frustrate each other? Let's dig into some parent wounds. Let's say that the current head of Amara's lineage is her father. You can just have it as father yeah. for now. Let's just We've say got father. little cousin and sister and master, yeah, so you know? <laughs> let's say uh, her father is directly like the current head of the whole family, of like all of the branches of the family. So I suppose that would make Amara like part of like the main family because like usually family trees are, are quite wide and have like a lot of people under them if you're like in a prestigious like position. So mm-hmm. uh, this is like an old family uh, where her father is the direct head. How do they love each other? I genuinely <laughs> is think... Is there love or is it just... Yeah, go ahead. I think there is. I think there is because I, I think it's always a more compelling story when there is difference and not inherently like... Hate. Yeah. Plus, we already have Ozai. Like, we've already explored <laughs> shitty father syndrome. Uh, so I genuinely it. think this father, like, whoever, whatever his name is, I think, like, genuinely thinks that Amara is gifted and talented and doesn't understand why she's so airheaded, why she doesn't want to, like, why she isn't, like, passionately next to him, like, you know, or like i don't know like in in the office trying to be just like him so the way that he loves her is he did allow her to like have a like interests outside of you know combat and colonialism <laughs> like he didn't just go you can't learn about this you can't he was just like okay do your lessons then you have some free time what do you do? I don't know. Don't tell me. It's such an interesting sort of love, but it, yeah, it, it is, me. you know, that's that's yeah. very real. I think it's also maybe just them because like maybe maybe there is no like no mom in this scenario anymore. Like there is just the two of them in the main family. There are no other siblings. OK. Which also means that like if Amara does not take over, mm-hmm. then the entire lineage head will be like the entire lineage will be handed over to somebody from not the main family yeah potentially then for the first time ever so that Ooh. is a lot of pressure on both of them and i think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from is because amara doesn't want to do it and doesn't believe in like what the fire nation is doing or like is at least heavily critical of it so uh yeah i think uh that's how they frustrate each other the next question is what close member of your lineage wants to revolutionize it hmm Maybe there's, like, an aunt. Aunts are always very fun, interesting characters to have. So, like, maybe that's, like, the father's sister who never had to be the head of the family because she's, like, younger, much younger, maybe even, mm. like, maybe, like, a 15-year difference. So, like, is almost, like, a, like just so close in age more to Amara than to her actual, like, brother, Amara's dad. Yeah. Who, like, low-key maybe is the source of these, like, alternative hobbies and interests. And, like, maybe, like... They are very, like, rich and privileged, so, like, she would be able to secretly have, like, scrolls from the Earth Kingdom smuggled mm-hmm. in to read or things about the Earth Nomads. And even if it's just ridiculous things, like, even if it's legitimately just, like, a cookbook-type <laughs> scroll from, like, the Earth Kingdom, just anything to foster the interest and, like, the respect and knowledge of other cultures in this, like, young child initially 
so that Amara would grow up to already have this, like, even if it's secret, like, working knowledge of a lot of, like, the cultural ins and outs of the other cultures. And wouldn't that would inherently make her sympathetic to them as opposed to just blindly following the Fire Nation. So it was probably the aunt. I don't know if the aunt is still there anymore. Because in my head, Amara is, like, at least 17. Okay. I think that would be that would be the, the, the family member that was just quietly, like, the kooky aunt. Yes. Love a kooky aunt. The I hope she's best. still alive. I feel like she maybe isn't, but I hope she is. Maybe in hiding. Who knows? Who knows? What do you carry that reminds you of the place most associated with your lineage? I really liked that hair comb thing that Azula wore, that like in her bun. Yes. I don't know exactly what, I think it's a comb because I have something similar from more my lineage that's got like turquoise stones and stuff in it. So I think also to like denote her heritage and her family she probably has like one of those in her hair that has like the family crest on it or something mm-hmm. perfect and also like that is a uh, a nice signifier of your status as well mm-hmm. very easy to see what part of your lineage's identity is most important and valuable to you as a person Ooh. oh which she cares about oh <laughs> i think the interpersonal is probably more important to her than the overall thing of the lineage because maybe like a personal value set that was passed down of like being proud of who you are which like of course initially that was probably meant as like a be proud of who you are and your inherent superiority over others Mm -hmm. but the core of it is still be proud of who you are and that might have been what she got communicated between her father and her like much more like open-minded aunt so the the message there from her lineage that she would have received is to be proud of who she is regardless of if it fits with what it's supposed to be and that's probably the most like important part of her identity to her and the reason that she's able to like very calmly resist or like work around the things that she doesn't believe in Perfect. And then the last question is, why are you committed to this group or purpose? Well, I mean, that'll very much probably come out with what our what our trigger event is that brings mm-hmm. us together. But probably because after a lifelong of theoretical and probably like given like the like prestigious like nature of like her upbringing, I doubt she'd be able to actually go out and like experience all these other cultures face to face. So she's got a lifetime of theoretical knowledge and values and. <sighs> She is committed to making them a reality and she would be committed to this group because she's also like very friendly. She's very friendly. She's very chill and she is very like easily affectionate towards people, very easily like sympathetic towards them. So I think she'd be easily like personally committed to the group, but also to its purpose of like protecting the like area that we've discussed that we would be protecting. I really love that. This episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. The Four Cities by The Third Age. The Menace by Hill. Sweet Tooth by Dresden the Flamingo. And Tainted Darkness by Cody Martin. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back with part two of our Avatar series next week. In the universe of Star Wall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. 
It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Star Wall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. As usual, we end One Shot with a call to action. And this week, heroes, I'm going to encourage you again to get involved locally. All the issues that are important to you, the things that you see on national news, well, they're important locally, too. This means getting involved in local politics. This means voting in elections. It means going to city council and school board meetings. All of these things are vital to the functioning of our society. I know it's kind of intimidating to do this stuff, and in a lot of cases, it may not even be safe because of the pandemic and other ongoing concerns. But most city council meetings should be able to be held virtually. I believe a lot of localities are doing that. Same for school board meetings, I would hope. As well, the scripts that you can find on a place like fivecalls.org that give you things to say about the things that are important to you on a national level, well, you can adapt those same things and deliver the same message locally. Making your voice heard is a powerful, powerful thing. So, write letters, get involved, and make sure that the people who are in charge hear you. Thanks, heroes. If you enjoyed this show, you should listen to some of the other shows in the One Shot Podcast Network. Shows like Design Doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game, Questlandia. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.